Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 330. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. I'm side my co-host here, Mike. What's going on, Mike? Nothing much. I uh, recording from the new address, and I, I, it's gonna suck in the winter time, Chris, because this lighting I have in this window is like perfect. It, I have no lights on in the room right now, and it's like I have a spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like you got like the, the yeah. light of God coming yeah, down on I you like right the, now. The streamer setup. <laughs> I like. Just, hey, just be honest, with everybody. You bought yeah. a circle light, didn't you? Yeah. No. If I did, you would see the circles in my eyes, right? You don't see them. <laughs> like that's the one thing about circle lights. They're like, hey, welcome to my channel, and they look like they're possessed by like an angel of doom or some shit. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like Constantine that needs to come in and take care of him um yeah i'm all set up here so it's kind of nice uh i you know i i have a little oh so we do have a we do have an interview today everybody carissa grant will be on the show so looking forward to that uh kickstarter called worthy chaos it's a redemption redemption horror adventure so uh speaking of like god there's a lot of like christian elements in terms yeah. of like it's uh angels demons vampires all that yep. fun stuff so you know just the saturday morning fun you're all looking for <laughs> yeah. yeah the the book reminded me of um and I, I mean this in um a nice way because there's definitely an audience for it mm-hmm. but it reminds me of like those cw vampire shows oh yeah where they're all beautiful <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah where they're just the sexiest vampires ever. everybody's like a, a model <laughs> no but like that style you know where it's kind of like it's a little melodramatic but like mm, yeah um but the book's well done i'm I, you know mm-hmm. i'm obviously i'm not the the target audience here but i, I it's enjoy not, it. it's nice i don't have the camera i have the background on still for everybody listening but i do have my trade shelf right like i can reach some trades from it i won't do that right now but so it's pretty nice to have all these books right here behind me for a comic podcast. I just need a magazine spinner rack. I do have like room for it. So I'm going to work on that. I've looked into those a few times. It's yeah. uh, be, prepared to, be prepared to fork out some cash, sir. Yeah, maybe Christmas. Maybe that's for Christmas or my birthday or something. I, I don't want to pay for that on my own. But funny story. So um, there's a little there's a little area of. New York near me called Scotia. It's pretty close to Schenectady. Um, And they have a little, like a, it used to be like a comic shop. It's not so many comics, more like toys and games and stuff. Mostly magic cards now, because that's what, you know, magic and Pokemon makes money. Um, I walk in, he had some trades all over the tables, like on sale. And I look and I'm like, oh, there's the the foil deluxe edition of uh, Dark Knight's Metal. And I forgot where I was and I bought the deluxe foil edition of dark Knight's death metal. This was years ago. And I was like, I'll buy the first one eventually. And I completely forgot. And then I saw this sitting on the table for like 50% off. And I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> so, uh, it's fun when things like that work out in your favor. Sometimes. I went to, do you, have, I don't know if this is a national brand or not, but do you have Ollie's near you? Yeah. Like the bargain outlet. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, good stuff cheap is the the slogan for them. Yeah, don't buy furniture there. I uh, no no no. <laughs> I usually I go in there and like 
every so often they have like uh just random shit that's on sale mm-hmm. like usually it's like coffee but like the box is dented so it's like 20 percent off and i don't nice. care enough so right but they they sell books and they sell comics Mike. they do yes i did not know this yes so uh i usually go in there like once a month to check in on, on things because they usually change their sales about every month uh-huh and i went in the other day and they had the entire um basically i forget what they called them but they were 12 issue collections of preacher oh so i bought the entire preacher series for 30 bucks are you kidding me i'm not kidding you how so each trade was what like five bucks five dollars do you like how i did that math really quick (laughs) thank god i did it right that's insane dude i don't even have that i would have picked that up instantly for 30 bucks 30 bucks i just i walked in i go over there and check it because i'm gonna be honest with you most of the time it's like stuff you don't care about yeah, it's like Harley Quinn New Fifty Two Volume Three. <laughs> yeah, that like nobody bought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know they made three volumes of that. But uh, they, and then you know, just random shit like that, and even like the Marvel stuff. It's like it's basically the overstock that like Marvel and DC couldn't get rid of. Right, right. But at one point they had most of Fables, so I have Fables sitting in this house somewhere too because they had like most wow. of Fables and the soft cover. That's awesome. Um. But this was just like one where I walked in. And I'm like, holy shit, it's Preacher. It's the entire Preacher. <laughs> which that's not like a book to sleep on. For yeah, those which... of you that don't know, Preacher was always, when I first got into comics, was like held as one of the standards of like ultimate storytelling. And yeah. that came in the 90s, right? Wow. Yeah. What a, what a time to write an epic comic book. <laughs> Garth Ennis. It's... Yeah, I've read it before, obviously, but like yeah. now, now I own it, and uh, eventually I'll have to reread through Preacher. So yeah, but yeah, that was a fun experience. And then I also, um, it's hidden by my gigantic head, so I'm gonna try to move and see. <laughs> but uh, you can see, oh, my Grand yes. State Punk page and the p- printer plate for that page. Wow, framed and ready to go. That's so very nice. And if you, you know, if you're eagle-eyed enough, a few other things have gone up too, but. Yeah, see that. I mean, the Marvel flag's pretty obvious, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was hard to miss. Are but you a, a few, Marvel uh, guy, Chris? I can't tell. Yeah, a few pot figures went up, uh, including Batmite. Nice on my Batmite, so that had to go up. Nice. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, getting through one box at a time, man. And so next time we record, I don't think it's going to be in frame, but over here I got a shelf where all my mm-hmm. board games are going to go. So I'll send you that when that's done. Nice. Nice. Is it, everybody's listening to this. Just like, Chris, we don't care what you're going to send Mike later, but I don't care, yeah. Mike. Just so yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. No, they do. Maybe they do care. You don't know. I'll yeah. probably post it on X. Yeah, on X. Because it marks yeah. the spot, everybody. X marks this. All right. With that, we're going to jump into the news, everybody. <laughs> don't want to keep Carissa waiting in the interview. Um, TV. During an interview with Collider, David Harbour said a few things about his role in the DC upcoming Creature Commandos show. Uh, I didn't know what it was. So this is a quote from David Harbour, everybody. I didn't know what it was when it was sent to me. There he is. Look at that. Oh, my God. A beautiful uh, bastard. Yeah. I met with James Gunn, and he sort of laid out a lot of stuff. It's really exciting. He considers it some of the best stuff he's ever written, Harbour enthused. It's hilarious. The character's great. I think it's been announced that it's Frankenstein and not a very colorful terrific character so yeah we've started 
uh, it's very colorful, terrific character. See so, yeah, how he started to shoot stuff. I'm not one to really break, but during this, it's wildly funny stuff. So yeah, we're shooting. It's hilarious, and I can't wait for people to see it. I didn't know he's playing Frankenstein. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that was announced a while ago. I can't remember if we talked about it or not, but yeah, it's a it's a cool little quote. I'm I'm shocked that he's talking about it at all with all the strikes and stuff going on, but. Because mm -hmm. let me tell you, TV news has been bare, Mike. Yeah, there's not a whole <laughs> lot going on there. Uh, yeah, New York Comic Con happening in October. Hey, man, all the Comic Cons are going to be about comics again, Chris. Can you imagine that? Well, apparently Bob Iger is like really keen to get this thing done. And I think yeah. that the studios are finally starting to feel the push. Like they need something on the shelves. Right. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, so... It, I, I, I'm really excited for Creature Commando. I like the the cast we got here. Yeah, uh, David Harbour is awesome. I thought and it was animated though, right? It, it is. is. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean that uh, characters can't come to live action because I believe Weasel's in it, and we've already seen him live action. Oh yeah, we've seen him in uh, yeah Suicide Squad. And we could put David Harbour in a bunch of makeup again. I mean, he did it for Hellboy. Yeah, he's been there, done that, right? Yeah, maybe we'll get an Agent of Shade movie. Wow. I'm not going to lie, I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch. <laughs> now I would watch it slash read it, but when the new 52 came out, <laughs> I was not ready for that. I don't think a lot of people were. No, that was that was a strange book, but it got good after a while. Like, it took a while, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah, when you put yeah. Frankens Frankenstein at the center of a book... Honestly, with the, the way they treat, yeah, <laughs> the way they treat him though, and like in Justice League Dark and stuff, like having him as a one of those characters, I think is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean David Harbor's voice and his size would be perfect for Frankenstein, so why not? Yeah. Um, movie stuff. So I did watch. I finally watched Guardians of the Galaxy last night. Uh, it was really good. I uh, didn't expect it to be that depressing. <laughs> um, and I. For some reason, I didn't put two and two together that Adam Warlock is the kid from We Are the Millers, but uh, yeah, yep. yeah, he had a pretty pretty big glow up, I would say. Um, yeah, it was overall it was great. Uh, the the like thing at the end, like Star Lord will return. It's like okay, but like if James Gunn's not writing it, do we really care? I don't know. Um, he didn't write Endgame or Infinity War. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. know people. Some people shit on his like moment in infinity war i think it was but yeah people still cared they dropped an f-bomb in my marvel movie so that was always interesting <laughs> um yeah i think overall it was good really really sad shit though like man like come on that was messed up i think that movie because there's been a lot of talk recently about superhero fatigue because that's to pop up every two years to mm -hmm. shit on marvel movies mm-hmm uh, and I think that movie proves that there is no superhero fatigue. There's yeah. as long as the movie's good, like people are down. Mm -hmm. It's not that people are sick of superheroes. They just don't want of no. They've seen what superhero movies can be. So now they want that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they don't want the subpar ones anymore. I think James Gunn just gets it. Like he just yeah. knows how to deliver that stuff. On the yeah, which is yeah. Why I have so much faith in DC moving forward, like um, the fact that he's helming everything. The Nathan Fillion his character was great. I uh, love that guy as like the the extra grunt guy or whatever he was. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. 
uh you saw tmnt mutant mayhem i did yeah what's up with that um was it good bad it's good Uh uh-huh it's being way overhyped really like i there's two things right now that i'm like a part of that are just so overhyped that i don't understand it and it's this and i just started playing final fantasy 16 and mind you, I just started playing it, so maybe it gets better, but I just don't understand why everybody's so high on that either. TMNT is nowhere near the best TMNT thing. <laughs> like, really? It's Yeah, it's there's no way this... I'm sorry, there's been so much better TMNT movies, TV out there. Mega this Fox is, is in one of them. You can't top that. Exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is really great if like you have a kid who has never experienced tmnt and mm-hmm. wants it like yeah. wants to check it out like this is their starting point so mm-hmm. um i guess caveat it immediately loses points because we have to do the fucking origin for the team for the turtles again like we get it they're covered in ooze <laughs> yeah that but it's time. more of like where did the ooze come from right did they talk about that or no they did and they kind of changed that a little bit but it's just i don't know just there's i i'm a broken record at this point but like this is up there with Batman, Spider-Man. Like, you don't need to tell the turtle's origin. Yeah. At least I don't believe you do. So it immediately loses points there. Um, How is the voice acting? Voice acting is phenomenal. The, the animation is phenomenal. The movie's good. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But, like, this is where it goes off a little bit for me. Is that, and then it's obviously, it's not in all ages movies. It's a kid's movie. Oh, and there's nothing really? wrong with that. Yeah. It's just I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> mm. And I really didn't. I don't know how much spoilers I want to go into, but like I didn't like the direction that the movie went in with like the turtles and their aspiration and where they end up at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It It's definitely unique from anything I've seen turtles wise. So I'll give them that they did something different. So kudos for trying something different. I just mm-hmm. didn't like it. Um. I'll say, uh, what the hell's the gecko's name? Um, shit. The gecko? I didn't yeah. know there was a gecko. The Mondo gecko. Mondo. Yes, meet Mondo gecko. Mondo gecko is voiced by Paul Rudd in this. And Mondo gecko is my spirit animal. That was, Amazing. he was the best part of the movie. It's a stoner gecko who skateboards. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm him. all for that. Love him. Uh, and then it just it follows a very simplistic story arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we get the origin. Think of Spider Man, the first Spider Man movie with Tommy McGuire. You get the origin. Mm-hmm. The origin leads into the villain, and then the villain goes. You fight the villain. You beat the villain, but then the villain gets bigger and better, and you have to fight him again for the final battle. And then, boom, movie's over. It just, I don't know, it didn't didn't hit with me all that well. And I walked out with my, I went with my nephew, and I talked to a few friends afterwards to see if I was just crazy or if I'm just jaded or what it is. And with the exception of my hardcore Ninja Turtle fan friends, everyone I talked to felt the same way. That it was kind of like, it was good, it wasn't mm-hmm. great, I probably would never watch it again. Um, I'd be down for a sequel which it seems like they will do because there is a stinger at the end of it. 
But uh, yeah, I don't think it's one you got to rush out and see. I think it's one you take your time with personally. Yeah, someone, especially someone like me, who's not a huge turtle fan. Um, I, I think the most for someone like you, honestly, it's the animation's really going to be like yeah, it, it's almost at that level of Spider Verse, mm-hmm. where like the animation's unique and cool. Yeah, but that will draw you in. But the actual substance, the story, what's there, is going to leave you like a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. And in a world where I had uh, Spider Verse two this year, like yeah, true, yeah, I've already had two great animated movies this year, mm-hmm. and then this has to live up to those two. So yeah, yeah, it's hard to beat that. It's a little unfortunate. I was hoping that would be it would be much better than it was, but I just think it's a travesty that it's the highest rated TMNT movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, like I know I know people shit on the '90s movies, but I'm sorry, those I love those movies. Yeah, they're fun. And the 2000s animated movies were way better than this thing. Yeah, the uh, the live action ones. I had fun watching those. I didn't think they were terrible. The more recent ones or the yeah, the more recent ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those aren't those aren't bad either. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to think more of my rankings, but I just I know in my heart that this is not the. This does not deserve the 98% on Rotten Tomatoes it has. Yeah. I just, I don't know where that comes from. I actually, I do know where it comes from. It comes from a world of you either love something or you hate something. Something can't just be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is this movie's just okay. Probably 6.5, 7 out of 10. Yeah. I'll so. wait until it comes out on streaming somewhere. Um, all right, everybody. We're going to jump over this interview with uh, Carissa Grant and we'll see you all on the other side. All right, everybody, we've got another very special guest for you. I want everybody to welcome to the show, Carissa Grant. Welcome, Carissa. Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, coming on by and talking comics with me. So Chris, I mean, for all of our new timer or first timers, newcomers, uh, we put them through the gauntlet, and that is the origin story. So let's hear yours. Where Where's your beginning with comics, and how did you get to this point where you're like, I want to create these things? Okay, so comics started uh, in the 90s uh, when I was a teenager. My older brother, Ghost Rider, I was obsessed with Ghost Rider, and um, that got me to love comics. Uh, but in all honesty, after the 90s, I kind of like went away from the mainstream, and I wasn't really paying attention to it. And I got into gaming. Um, so I became obsessed with Resident Evil 2. And in the stupidest way possible, okay. I was watching a commercial. And the I don't, have you played Resident Evil 2? I have. Yes. So do you know when the crocodile comes out of the sewer to get Leon? Mm-hmm. That is the only thing that I remember in the commercial. And it made me want to buy it. So like, I didn't even own PlayStation 1. I didn't own it. Like I, I played Nintendo, Duck Hunt. I played Atari. But I had never played play, so I literally went out, bought PlayStation One, rented the game, came home, no instructions at all in the the game, and Leon just kept walking into the fire, and I was so mad at this thing that I just threw the controller. My older brother comes in, picks it up, starts playing because he's been playing Zelda since he was walking, and then I, I kicked him out. I was like, "Get the hell out of my room!" and and uh, I started playing. I was obsessed with it. Like I played all the way through. I think I did. Um, all the way through Leon and maybe all the way through Claire before I was like, all right, I'm going to go buy it. It's like, I went out, I bought it. I bought for some reason the same day, final fantasy seven came home and then played 
And I, I was so mad because I'm going through the instructions and I was like, there's an auto aim. Like I, I was like, <laughs> I didn't know there's an auto aim. Anyway, I was so obsessed with it that I actually, uh, later on when I learned about um, role-playing online, I actually role-played as Claire Redfield for 15 years online. Um, so I wrote as Claire Redfield and nobody knows this, but uh, I also played as Wesker. So anyone that played 20 years ago, that was me. Um, <laughs> somebody, somebody somewhere is going to know that and be like, I knew it. But um, was that like on a message board kind of thing? Yeah, or? yeah it okay. was like, so I'm dyslexic. So originally when I started, and to be honest with you, it's so long now that I can't even remember how to do one liners, but I was a one liner. And um, I, I can't believe that I did one lines, but I did one lines for like two years. And then I progressed to like three lines. And then I was like a paragraph and then multi pair. And now I could do 6,000 words in a sitting. So I've, I've obviously progressed slightly. Um, so for this story, I was role playing and I held on to this idea of an angelic weapon. And I don't know why it was just an idea I had. And I had like I was role playing with people that I for like, I think the longest was three years and they all wanted to do it. And I was like, no, no, holding on to it. And I was like, what are you holding on to for? I was like, I have no idea. So I held on to it. And then I met my co-writer and like 24 hours after I met her, I was like, um, do you want to take a role? And she's like, I've never taken a role, but yeah, yeah, I'll take it. So I said, okay. I sent her a 4,000 word starter and that was it. It In two and a half years, we're still writing. And uh, a week ago or two weeks ago, we passed our 1 million word mark in the story. Um, and after we realized, or I said to her, did you know that we have uh, about uh, 10 novels <laughs> written um, for wow. this story? Um, and she's like, holy crap. So I was like, we should do something with this. So we were going to um, print it, you know, but it's not like a novel. So we had gotten an editor and we're like, would someone, you know, would, would this, would anyone read this because of the way it's written? And she's like, no, you'd have to merge the story and do all this. And we didn't, we didn't want to do that. So I decided to print it out just for us. And I decided I'm going to spoil us and get a uh, cover done. So I went to go hire an artist on uh, Fiverr or Upwork or whatever and they were all cartoony. All these arts were cartoony. And I said to her, you know, we role played with with actors in mind. So I was like, should I look for more realistic or should I just do the cartoony? She's like, I don't mind cartoony. And then like a light bulb went off. And I was like, if you don't mind cartoony, we could do a comic book. And she's like, okay. So like an idiot, I was like, how hard could it be? Um, and, <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how hard could this be? I was just thinking like, I was the, the most naive. This is only seven months ago. And I, I feel like it's been like seven years. Um, but I was like, yeah, how hard could this be? I hired an artist, not, not this one, but I hired an artist and I was like, all right, let's do this. And then I went to bed that night. This is literally the same day that I decided to do this, that I hired some guy. And then uh, I was going to bed and I was texting my co-writer and I was like, I don't know how to do a script. <laughs> like, I have like no clue. I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, you'll figure it out. So I get up and I write, like I watch like a 20 minute YouTube video on it. And um, I wrote a script and then I was like, I gave it to a letter and the letter was like, did you want to see any of the art or did you just want like all dialogue? And I was like, oh, good call. So like my first script was three scripts. So I was way ahead of the game. Um, so yeah, so I got screwed over my first uh, artist, um, unfortunately, unfortunately at the same time, but they, they stole three grand from me. Then I tried to fix it for two grand and then decided to, I did print it. I sold a couple of 
copies to friends and stuff. And then I was like, I hate it. Um, so I, I searched for this artist and, um, I had so, I had spent so much money trying to find him that I was so annoyed at that part that I was like, like, I don't want to say skeptical, but I was like, I don't want to deal with anybody. I spent thousands of dollars on like, you know, designs and, and everything. So finally I just posted it on Facebook and I was like, if anyone wants to do a uh, test page for free, cause I really didn't care at this point. I was like, if you want to do a test page for free, if I like it, if my characters look good, I'll hire you, pay you for the page. And then we'll go from there. Um, and I had five people that agreed. So five, hi Katie. <laughs> so five, <laughs> So five people were working on it and this current artist came up, uh, I say come up to me like I'm freaking a teenager, uh, messaged me and said, um, are you still taking submissions? And I was like, well, I'll make a deal with you. You either hand in a free submission and I'll, I'll look at it first or you wait till all of them are done. And if I don't pick any of them, I'll pay you for a page. And he's like, I'll give you a free one. In 24 hours, he had sketched, inked, colored and lettered four or five panels uh, and it looked phenomenal. And I was like, you're hired. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> I paid everyone else to go away and I loved it. And uh, so for this series one, there's 45 to 50 issues written and that completes series one. Uh, it's five books. It's five of the 10. The other, the other, uh, well, now we have like 11 or 12 books, but uh, the, another five is the spinoff. Um, and so this one uh, is the five books and it's, seven issues for the first one right now we're on issue six and uh the uh, book two is seven and book three is 10 and then it's like 12 and 15 um but uh yeah my artist jonas acosta this is his first job uh his art is phenomenal and his panel work is just you would never know as you think he's been doing this his whole life mm-hmm. um so i got really incredibly lucky and uh, he's nice and loyal because we've been doing this <laughs> for seven months. Like it seems like seven years. Um, but he actually went and redid one. So he actually, his first one he worked on was two and then he did three. And then I was like, you have to redo one, even though like 20 people's like, Oh, you could just keep one. It's fine. I was like, no, he has to redo one. So he actually went and redid one. And, uh, now he's working on uh six is already done and in hand and seven. He's like, I think he's in the process of coloring the last of it. So. So it's pretty fast. And I guess it'd be a good time to ask, uh, what's what book are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that, that would probably make sense. Um, so uh, the book is called Worthy Chaos Redemption. And uh, it is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Supernatural in Silent Hill in the Resident Evil world. Um, what's a little bit unique, and I'm going to say this now because I always forget it, um, the story, so I write the story and um, I write everything, Serafina, her thoughts, her actions, her speech. My co-writer writes everything Draven. So when you're reading the story and you're reading the dialogue or whatever, it is completely two different people. So it, I'm not that good of a writer. They have two completely different people. Because everyone's <laughs> like, oh, it's like two different people. It's like, funny story. So um, yeah, it's because com- we're role players. So everything Draven is her and everything uh, Serafina my character uh, is an angel descendant supernatural hunter and Draven is a demon descendant assassin. And uh, I don't know if you want me to go right into explaining the first uh, issue or if you want me to wait or. <laughs> uh, no, but go ahead. If, uh, if you want to go ahead and 
sure. spoil some um, of it or whatever you want to do. So, um, yeah, this is like the first four pages. So this is to explain how chaotic this freaking story is. Um, so it starts off with a dream of them when they were teenagers. And they were going to run away together, which is something that was going to happen in the prequel that we wrote. Um, so they're going to run away together. And Draven had to leave and get a weapon to, to get her away from her family. She wakes up. And she sees her brother, who was possessed by a demon, killing her parents. So she calls Draven and says, don't come to the house. And, of course, the first thing he does is come to the house. She jumps out the back window. He goes in the front door. He slips on her blood. She uh, hears him call her. She turns around and gets hit by a car and put in a coma for a couple of months. And he gets arrested for her murder. That's, like, the first four pages. And... Um, they both thought the other was dead for 10 years. So she trained as a supernatural hunter to get back at her brother for taking away Draven. And he became an assassin instead of going to jail. And he was so heartless and without her anyway. So it was kind of a thing that happened. Um, so the story technically starts where Draven moves closer to where she is. And because they're soulmates, them being close set off an alert to demons and angels that have been searching for the two of them. Well, mostly her. Um, so. An angel tricks her to go into town and then the demons uh, trap them in the town and merge it with hell. So it's kind of like Silent Hill. They can't leave. There's no roads. They, If you watch when she's walking, there's a crack forming behind her. Um, we have little details like that. Like in the very beginning, you know, when you watch like any kind of movie and, and a, um, the person wakes up or whatever, turns on the TV and it's exactly what they need to hear for exposition, like the exact. Yeah. Yeah, they so turn on CNN and it's yeah. that exact thing they need exactly to look at. Yeah, to what they've been looking for. Um, so or the problem. Um, so we kind of played on that, but if you look at the TV, it's actually unplugged. So it's the angel outside the window that's causing the news to happen. And on the next page, he hints to that where he's like, "You're going there anyway," and she's like, "How did he know I was going there?" So um, when she gets to town, the town merges, and then. Everything comes after them. They run into each other. He thinks it's a dream the whole time. Uh, she just thinks it's a trick. And they get chased by ghosts, hellhounds, zombie mermen, uh, Anubis. You know, everything you could possibly think of in this town. Um, and their fathers are there. So you have Draven's father, who's a demon, and her father, who's uh, an angel. Um, he's not much better, though. So... <laughs> But uh, their whole goal is to get the angelic weapon away from her that they don't even know that. I mean, my two characters don't even know that they have this. Um, they, they think it's a keychain that she's she gave to Draven as a present years ago because that's all she had. And but it's actually has the power of souls. And if they can get it away from her, they can tip the, the war between heaven and hell in either one's favor. There's actually another reason they want it, but you don't find out for a long time. Um, so now we're just kind of following along. It's kind of like a survival horror, the two of them. You know, they're just trying to survive through town and, and everything that happens. Um, there's a, they're pretty much their pawns. They're being, you know, played and manipulated and, and tortured, um, which, sorry. <laughs> but um, for now we're in issue six. Um, that's the campaign that's live now. Um, and four, five, and six is kind of like... Uh, we introduce our clotters, which is a subspecies of vampires. And our vampires are a little bit different. That's why they're a subspecies. So someone says, that's not a vampires. But um, they're a little bit different. Their uh, heart beats every six hours. 
So they have, which is just enough to keep off rigor mortis. So they have thicker blood, which makes them stronger, but it also makes them need more uh, protein. So they can only feed directly from a human. They can't feed from a bag or animals or anything. If they don't feed directly from a human, they start to decompose like a zombie. Um, the only problem is, is that they have their consciousness. So they actually feel guilty. So if they're turned and they're good people, they would more, you know, a lot of the times they just decompose instead of killing another human. So to save the species, generally clotters only change more ruthless people like serial killers or murderers or, you know, sociopaths, anyone that they can do that will go and kill other people. Um, and besides that, they have this very annoying habit that if they taste or bite you, if they taste your blood or bite you, they can track you anywhere you go like a homing beacon. And if you kill one of them, they'll track you down until they kill you. So that's exactly what happened in four and five. And now in six, their whole thing is trying to track down every single vampire that was in the nest so that they don't come after her and try to kill her. Um, so it's pretty much them against uh, a group of vampires, clotters in this issue. So, so I, I see, I mean, you, you sent me some images from past issues and everything. I was looking through them and obviously you're talking a lot about heaven and hell. So we, we get a lot of like Christian mythology, obviously put into this book, but then like it's chapter four where it's very Egyptian mythology, like a, a Pharaoh mummy uh, thing going on. So Anubis. Uh, yeah, Anubis. So, I mean, talk a little bit about that. Uh, about adding in all the different mythologies together as opposed yeah. to like kind of just sticking with one. So the eventually all, oh, not all, but I mean, most of the religions, Celtic, Greek, uh, they, they will be in this. Um, for now, Anubis is uh, actually being controlled by her father. If you look at what he's holding or look on the belt that he has, he has an, an onklet which has uh, the runes that spell out Anubis. So that's why Anubis is doing what he wants. Uh, he, you know, but the reason why he's able to use Anubis is because uh, hell is merging with the town. So he actually used that to bring him up. Um, but he actually has a very large part to play in it. And later on in, in series two, um, there's actually a war between heaven and hell together against um, Hecate and Hades and their, uh, uh, zombie army and then Anubis and his army of mummies that team up with my characters um, and it's kind of funny because my characters don't like that because they've been fighting you know zombies and all that stuff this whole time and now they're like side by side with them which does not go well and I think Draven probably kills half of them anyway so um, but they're dead already so it's fine it's fine but uh, yeah we use a lot and we did a lot of research um, so all the demons are angels unless like we did them creatively like the clotters uh they actually are accurate their job wise to scriptures like uh remnal which is her father is not only um the angel that uh he used to judge uh souls on earth and then take them to heaven which is the whole thing that started it because i was joking and i said what how does he carry them in his pocket and that's why i created the angelic weapons so um not only is he that he's also the angel that in in scripture went against God and created the first Nephilim, which is half angel, half human, which was a sin. Um, so that's we kind of use that he a play on it because he he creates Seraphina. So Seraphina is uh, she's half angel uh, and half Celtic god goddess, 
and human. So it's kind of like a mixture of, of all put together. And Draven was created solely for the purpose of getting the weapon from her, but he fell in love with her anyway. And um, so there's a, and there's a, a, more angels come in. Uh, Kemiel, that is her, the one that kind of leads her to the town. He was supposed to be their guardian. He was their guardian angel in their past life. He was, um, the, he is in scripture, the angel of um, uh, true love and conflict resolution because you can't have one without the other. And um, <laughs> so he was meant to protect them and he'll hint towards it. And you can hear what he, some of the things he said. The, the father faked the prophecy. Originally, the prophecy was if an angel and a demon ever fell in love, they could never be separated or war on earth which, between heaven and hell would start. So the father faked it to trick the guardian angel to go after them because he was the only one that could get to them and, and harm them. So he tricked them and said that angel and demon ever fell in love. They had to be separated or the, the war would start. So he separated them. And I, I won't say because it's incredibly gruesome, but you find out later on how he does it and what he does. But he separates them. And it created uh, a hell on earth and Draven's the one that caused it. And uh, he got sent to hell and then this is them being reincarnated. But it's kind of like, um, you know, all this stuff happened to cause this that you kind of get hints to as you go along. But uh, the the demon, Asmin, which is Draven's father, he wasn't in scripture with Remnell, but it worked out so perfectly because he's a chaos demon that fed on souls and he would literally feed off of souls on the bridge of judgment. However, the funny thing is, and this was just pure luck. We didn't do this on purpose. His quote unquote powers in scripture is he's immune to lightning and Remnell, his uh, power is lightning. So it was the perfect counterpart to fight against Remnell because it's, it has to be on an even playing field. There's no powers between them that they can um, to fight back and forth. So it, it's kind of cool that if you look any of these up, uh, you can see their, you know, things that they go through. Like uh, Anubis has the power to control the dead. He has the power to go through portals, which we use in uh, book three. Um, and the books are all connected. There's five books. And I've been asked this a lot um, if they're single stories or connected, but they are connected to just different environments, kind of like a new thing that happens. So like, from one through seven, which is now, um, they're stuck in the town. Um, and at the end of seven, they go into and get trapped in a haunted asylum that's overrun by ghosts and zombies and giant salamanders, which is our version of the liquors from Resident Evil 2 um, that crawl around the ceiling and they're really gross. Um, so two is basically that. Uh, they're in there and then they you know get out of town. And then uh, book three is uh resident evil 2 pretty much they're trapped in a zombie infested town it's not what it seems to be but to them it's a zombie infested town and uh, they, they 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 meet up with two other survivors and they try to get through um a military hospital and they do go underground they try to find through the labs and all this stuff so it's, it's very resident evil 2-esque um and then three and four a lot happens it's i don't know if you ever seen code veronica but it's a better version of code veronica <laughs> Um, and they're on an island and they actually go to hell, they go to heaven, they go to all these different things, but they're pretty much trapped on this island. Um, so each book has its like own little thing going on. And you said that you two had like over 50 issues planned out? Um, not planned, written. We have oh, written uh, and done. Yeah. So this series is already written and done. It's 50 issues. Um, they're still being converted right now. I just started converting chapter or issue 19. Um, so I know how many there are per each, because it seems that an issue is 
pretty much about 10,000 words. Um, and it's been pretty clear cut on that. But that's why if you notice, um, I don't know if you notice, but our pages are never, that's my fault. I'm the one that converts them. Our pages are never accurate. Like uh, I think one is 28, two and three are 32 pages. Four was 28, I think. And then five was the shortest at 24. Six is 30, 36. Yeah, 36. And then uh, seven's like 40. <laughs> so because I stop at certain points and I just like, well, four more pages, it's only hundreds of dollars. So um, exactly. But I never charge I kinda, more. So <laughs> I kind of like that, though, because like I've been, I was talking to somebody about this with streaming services where I like that, like we're no longer restricted to the in comics, you know, 22 pages or oh, yeah. in terms of the streaming service, like we're no longer restricted to the 22 minute block. Now we yeah, can just but, yeah. tell the story. Yeah. And sometimes I mean, it doesn't work out when with big corporations and everything, but with you indie people, it's great because you can do whatever you want in that one issue. Yeah. And someone was like complaining, not someone about the book, but someone on a podcast was complaining like, oh, people like consistency. I was like, yeah, you know, I don't charge extra. And I seriously doubt that 12 extra pages for the same price is going to piss anyone off. So, you know, I could have, I could have cut, um, I could have put uh, issue seven. I could have did two issues, but I couldn't find a, a, a perfect spot in the middle of it. You know, I can't just end it and be like, you're done. You know, I just, it has to be, well, first of all, we have to torture everyone with a cliffhanger. And, you know, second, you don't, you can't do it in the middle of an action thing. You can't do it in the middle of a, you know, talking thing. So I was like, screw it. I'll just do it. Um, not only that, I wanted it to end on Halloween because it's Halloween is one year in comics and one year since uh, I started with my artist. So that would be my cat you hear if you hear her crying. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's kind of like, oh, it's let's finish book one, you know. And then uh, January 23rd starts book two and we'll have the hardcover, hopefully, if it goes well, uh, hardcover graphic novel as book one available on that one. And then you can get issue one um, of the book two. Um, so, so, but yeah, we're, we're hoping to do every other month. I just don't know if my fans can afford it. They're very loyal, but they're also very broke. So, um, we'll see how it goes, but my artist is really fast and they're already written. So it's, it's, it's not feasible or anything for us to, to do longer. Um, I did give everyone Christmas off. See, I'm nice. So it's like, I don't have November and December and then it starts late January. Um, so people can you know, waste their money on other stuff other than me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and I and I'm very quick to get stuff out. Um, my campaign, my last campaign ended on a Monday. And by Saturday, I had 95% of the things shipped out. Um, and I don't even get paid for Kickstarter for two weeks. So I was gonna um, say it's brave. Well, that's yeah. Well, the payments went through. So yeah. Um, but also, you know, credit cards are a hell of a thing. <laughs> so. I was like, I've never heard of Kickstarter, like not sending people money, but I'm the type that's like, until I get mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what it is? It's, it's my fault because the day my can't, my, uh, campaign ends, my next one starts in four weeks. So all the new people need to get there so they can read it and, and, and see if they want to get in the next campaign. Uh, I am also an incredibly impatient person. So I hate making others wait. Um, so yeah, I just pretty much got them out. I had, uh, comics arrive on the Saturday and then I started bagging them on a Saturday. Um, and I make my husband take like three trips to the post office. So, 
it worked out great. But yeah. Well, I mean, and that's great because that, that shows the audience a level of not only a level of trust, but then they're like, damn, like this thing happened. And probably <laughs> within the week, I have my book. Like most, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> guarantee 99% of Kickstars don't do that. No, they don't. And yeah. most of my friends don't even have their books done before, but I won't do it until I have it in hand. And I know I had somebody be like, oh, you don't have to do that. Okay, I do because I need to make sure the book's in great condition. I need to make sure that it's printed right. I need to make sure that I can send it on time. So how I work is like for issue six, I already have 50 printed and on hand. Um, and But I don't print the variants because I don't know how many people will buy or, or whatever. Um, and with my luck, I'd order like 25 and there'll be like 26. So like, I don't, I don't order variants. Um, but, uh, when some, when my campaign ends, I actually pay a lot more to get my six day printing. So like I ordered it on a Monday and it arrived on a Saturday. That's how quick I get it after I print it, uh, after I order it. Um, and yeah, it costs a little bit more, but, uh, I really want to get these in people's hands. I'm trying to build an audience. I need them to stay around for, you know, 50 issues. So, you know, I want them to understand that I'm here for the long haul. Um, and hopefully keeping my house during that whole time. But, um, but if you ever do a co- podcast in the future and these aren't in the background, I'm probably at a library because I got rid of my house because I couldn't afford it. But, but we're going to try to keep the house uh, while we do this. Um, but yeah, we're so far the Kickstarters have been really well. Um, I get nervous every single time because I think it's too soon for the same people to do it. But um, here's hoping it, it keeps, you know, uh, you know, keep going up. We had our first Kickstarter, which I call a, so, a soft opening because I didn't advertise. I didn't go on podcast. I was the most naive person you could ever know. Um, and so I had like 34 backers. Uh, and then that was the old the old artist. And then the new artist came in and I did one through three uh, all together. And I had 78 backers. So I was like thrilled. Um, and then my campaign after that had 92 and my last one now just had 115. So I was like, I passed a hundred. So I was like, you know, I was thrilled. Um, so the Kickstarter, um, the backer number is more important to me. I mean, I obviously need the money. Um, but I really want to get readers in. So even if people come in and spend $5 to, to read the, the, um, you know, the PDFs or whatever, I always have, which I don't know why not everyone does, but I always have an issue one tier both PDF and printing. And I also have the current issue. So for this campaign, you'll have, you'll see issue one PDF issue six PDF issue one printed issue six printed. Uh, And the reason why I do that is because all of the back issues are available and the add-ons, even the variants was ever available. And that way, if they just want to get issue one, they don't want to invest a lot of money, then you don't have to buy a ketchup tier. Like, Ketchup tiers are my my most popular. Um, this time I had I think over twenty were uh, were new people and um, ketchup tiers. But if you don't want to, I had people just buy uh, PDF one or the printout for you know the printed P, you know the printed one, and then you don't have to invest. Or some people did one and then they bought the two for the back issue because it's the first one Anubis is in, and they're like, I want to read Anubis. So I do have options. Um, I also am a uh, merch queen. Apparently I've been getting called and it's not a bad name. I've been called worse things. So, um, but uh, I have, um, you know, my plushies, which is, this is my Anubis plushie. Uh, I think there's only two left and I won't be making more. So two left. I only made uh, eight 
and two of those are for me and my co-writer. Um, but he does come with his little staff that he holds. Um, but uh, this campaign is the first time we're going to have uh, the skeleton bird. And there's only one available because I had three made. One for me, one for my co-writer, one for people. My um, zombie merman plushie. And I have my demon plushie. And I have my rat plushie. And then I also have um, lots of merch. And I have uh, handmade statues made out of clay. I have 3D printed statues. I think it's like three different kinds or four different kinds. I have uh, pillows. I have metal covers, metal trading cards, metal bookmarks, uh, stickers galore, keychains, buttons, um, hats. I mean, pretty much anything. And I get roasted all the time. Like, why do you have so much merch when you're like in the seven months? And it's because I wanted it and selling it to them made it tax deductible. So there you go. Exactly. That's, right? That's why you make anything is because you I want it. Tax deductible. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love it. So, I mean, you kind of answered my next question, which is going to be about the Kickstarter. So it sounds like you got you know, a bunch of cool merch. You got all the issues available for people to pick up. So newcomers have something if they're jumping in. So I guess I could skip that one. Uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, you're good. And uh, I'd actually like to know, like, like you said, you got all these written out and everything. And next year you're going to be going into the next book. Are you going to start that as a new number one and call it like season two or something? Or are you going to continue the the numbering and try to get so 50 some issues out of it? I was debating back and forth. But I am restarting it. And the only reason why, well, a couple of reasons why. One, it is a new book. It's, you know, uh, book two. It's issue. It's chapter one in book two. Not only that, if I was a person coming in and I saw that I was on issue 20, I probably would not back the rest because I wouldn't want to catch up 20, you know. But if you're able to buy a hardcover book and an issue one or two of the next one, then people are more likely to come in, which is me personally how I would be. I mean... Uh, I mean, if I saw an amazing series that was like, you know, 20, 30, whatever, I might go into it, but I'd be, if I didn't know enough about it, I'd be put off because it's such a high number and you, you, not a lot of people do the graphic novel. You know, you don't know that it's, it's available. So I'll have the hardcover available in January. So people could just buy that. It's going to be $39 for 222 pages, seven issues, hardcover. And then you could just buy that and go right into book two. Um, or my, I'll have the floppies available that they can, a lot of people like the floppies cause they're more collectible or whatever. Um, so people have options. Um, but, uh, I just, it is book two. So I, it wouldn't make sense to me. Like I've had people say, well, it looks better if you are in like issue 20 cause they know that you're, you've been doing this for a while, but I'm like, yeah, it'll be inside it. Like it'll say worthy chaos redemption book two you know, chapter two, whatever. And then it'll be uh, the Worthy Chaos series issue 16 or whatever. So it'll, it'll tell you what it is. Um, but it, it's book two. And I, I just think that it, it makes more sense to start it over. But I, it was a big controversy between me and like creators. Like, which do we do? Do you do you continue it on or do whatever? But it just makes more sense to me to restart it. So Yeah, I think in the indie space, there's no question. Restarting it, doing seasons, books, how, you know, whatever yeah word you want to use (laughs) yeah it just makes more sense because i mean just 
honest truth of the world, it's a little bit easier for Spider-Man to be like, hey, it's issue 582. Pick it up or don't. We don't care. It's Spider-Man. Yeah. We don't need you. <laughs> I, I need the people, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but you guys are trying to build an audience and, and get all the people in these books. And if you can get them on you know, season two, issue one, then they're like, oh, this is really cool. Go back to season one. Hopefully, you know, so good stuff. So you keep saying that you work with a, a co-writer too. And I'm always interested in this because uh, when I attempt to write things, <laughs> I get into a, a dark, dank tunnel and uh, don't leave and don't want anybody around me. So how does the back and forth go there? Do you guys like sit in a room together and, and talk it out or, you know, how do you know? So it? we're role players. So it's a little bit different. So how it works is I will write a chapter uh, generally between three and 8,000 words, depending on my mood or what they're doing in the story. So I'll write this chapter and I include Draven in it, but I don't speak for him. I don't do his thoughts. I generally don't do his actions except for saying he's next to her, you know, he's like whatever, um, or they run or something. But generally I'm only writing what's happening and what she's thinking or doing. So during my chapter that I'm writing, she'll talk to Draven, but I won't get a response back until after, like until I'm done. So I'll talk to him uh, or Serafina will talk to him. I'll have my thoughts of what's happening during this. I'll do all the actions that are happening. And then when I'm done, I will send it to my co-writer. My co-writer literally rewrites the chapter, but from Draven's point of view. So now you have it in his eyes where his thoughts, he will answer anything she said. So I get to see what his response would be. I get to know his thoughts on what he was thinking during this that's happening. And I can see any actions he does, whether he shoots or tackles somebody or kills somebody, whatever he's doing or, you know, whatever. And then uh, she'll write a little bit after that and then I'll get it back. I'll reply to whatever she added to it and then I'll start again and do another three to 8,000 words and then send it to her and it'll start all over again. Um, and where she writes way better than I do. I am the storyteller, but I don't do the whole show. Don't tell like you're supposed to. Like I couldn't, you couldn't release my writing as a novel. Hers. You totally could. Like she, she loves my writing. So bless her. But, um, you know, she doesn't think she's a good writer. She's way better than I am. She could write a novel. I could not, but the way I write is perfect for comic books. Like it was meant to be like, I literally just have to separate things that I say. And there's my, my script, you know, it's like, I, I say everything that needs to be happening. I describe what's going on. I, I describe what they're doing and, and you know, what she's feeling. So um, yeah, I, I was meant to write a comic book. <laughs> so it's, it's absolutely perfect for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it without her. So, but then I, I just combine the two. So I combine whatever Draven was talking about when he answered my character and I put them on the page together and um, it's slightly the annoying part doing scripts, you know, going back and forth. Um, but it, it's definitely worth, worth it. Definitely. That's, that's a cool, unique process. Um, yeah. We don't really butt heads at all. We talk, we don't really know where it's going half the time. Like I literally don't know where it's going when I sit down, like I'll just sit down and write and be like, I, I always say my character's writing it. Cause I don't know what the hell's going on, but um, like I'll send it to her and she's like, that's awesome. I can't wait to see what happens next. It's like me too. Like I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, we somehow did this for 11 novels. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how, but that's, I mean, the other day I, 
so we were just finishing up um, the spinoff. Uh, the spinoff takes place. Uh, it's a what if um, kind of if you want to do interdimensional, like what if um, we were so in love with our characters that we felt guilty about taking away those 10 years. You know, it was like a torturous thing that th that haunts them as the story goes, because they're like they always go back to we wasted all this time. So as a joke, I wrote out that they ran away before the brother got possessed by a demon and they, they, they escaped. And I was, my first thought was, well, this is going to be boring. You have two teenagers on the run. Who the hell cares? But then I realized everything still needs, is ever, everything's still after them. The fathers are after them. Monsters are after them. But now you have a teenage girl that doesn't know anything about supernatural. She doesn't know how to fight. She knows nothing that's going on. He's not an assassin. He doesn't know how to fight. He doesn't know what's going on. So you have two teenagers on the run that you get to see them, uh, their bond grow and uh, their powers come out sooner because they, they have that bond that never breaks. They have these things happen to them and you can see how they start to become stronger and, you know, how protective he gets, even though he doesn't have the fighting skill that he originally has. And you see them turn into the characters that you get to see in the other one. And it wasn't a planned thing and it kind of went out of control and now there's five books of it, which is another 40 issues. Um, but the funny thing is, and this again wasn't planned, it has all the same characters. However, they respond differently to things. So uh, uh, an ally in, not that there's many of them, but there's an ally in Redemption turns out to be an enemy in spinoff because of the circumstances are different. And uh, a, an enemy uh, or an ally in one turns out to be the opposite in the other one. So it was kind of cool when it was over that I realized that this happened. I was like, do you realize like he's an enemy in this one? He was like their friend in the last one. And, and it was just the way it turned out to be. It wasn't like on purpose, like, oh, let's screw with everything. But no, um, certain things are mirrored. We call it a, a mirrored verse, even though nothing happens that that's the same, like completely different stuff happens. But um, certain things mirror other things, like meeting the same people, even though it's a different environment, um, or the fact that they lose their memories in each one due to something, completely different reasons, but it still happens and they respond to it completely differently. So it's a completely different story. So I'm hoping to one day release it because it's actually turned out to be incredibly good. Not that I'm biased or anything, but it turned out to be an incredibly good story <laughs> that I really enjoyed writing and i just finished it and the whole point of this is that i in an incredibly long you know way to have a short story um like three weeks ago i had woke up and i was like i know how this book's gonna end like i didn't even need to know how because we were just writing and i was like i know how it's gonna end and i said i woke i wrote 8.5 thousand words and i was like okay this is the ending and then like literally in the next week i woke up and i was like this, and i again i had no reason to think of what series two was going to be like in the spinoff um Redemption is already like four issues in or something, but the spinoff, I hadn't even bothered to think about it. And I woke up having this really intense dream and I was like, I know where it's going to start. And I wrote, and I, and I wrote like two chapters on it. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing until I'm doing it. I don't know. It's good. Or bad. I mean, it's comics. We love what if. Right. Oh, I love like, what if, like, especially like I, I have ghost rider was my thing. So I have, what if Barbara catch was ghost rider. And yeah, my favorite series was what if, so this was kind of, I was thrilled to write this, even though it started as a joke and I was like, oh, I'm sure it's going to be boring. Then it turned into like this incredibly insane story that was just awesome and brutal. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Some of my favorite books are what if and Elseworlds, like the whole idea of like, well, what if this happened or what if, you know, they were this like, it's, it, 
it's a cool twist on characters you love. So yeah, well, it's mostly because the characters kept saying, "What if we never lost those ten years?" And I kept thinking, "I don't know what happened if they didn't lose those ten years." And it actually was worse. Like in the way that it happened, it was kind of like, uh, but they got to stay together, so I guess it wasn't worse. Um, but they went through more brutal things because they had no training. They had no idea what they were doing. They didn't even know supernatural stuff exists until I completely attacked them. Um, so yeah, it, it is a really cool story. And I can't, I really hope my, my artist is mad, not mad, but he's like, I said, I wish you could do the spinoff. And he goes, why can't I? Because you've got 50 issues freak. I was like, you're going to have like four years. And then by the time we already started series two. So by the time you finish series one, series two is going to be like, probably over i was like but uh, if you want to clone yourself i am more than happy to hire both of you because i i don't know if i'm gonna find another person that i can love as much as his work so we'll see but yeah he wants to do it too but i told him that he likes angels and demons so if worse comes to worse he can always do the prequel because prequel damnation is you could see the how the feud started between the angel and the demon and how she was created from the weapon and how draven and her met um, so he gets to draw more angels and demons. So he, he's happy with that. So we'll go with that. <laughs> Very cool. So you got, you got a, a big world here that you're building out and everything, which is, yeah, just sounds awesome. Yeah. Other creators are like, did you say you have a hundred plus issues written? I was like, yes. They're like, oh, we never write that far ahead. I was like, this was not intentional. <laughs> like this was not, we weren't like, let's write some issues. No, this was not, this is not intentional. I'm glad it happened. It just was, it was not intentional. So just having fun. And this thing that was really good came out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like, first I was like, I really, this story's too good to waste. And then I was like, but I really want to see it drawn out. So if I was rich, I would just give this away for free. I just want to see it done. Um, but yeah, unfortunately that's not the way the world works. So I have to charge, but yeah, yeah. slightly obsessed with the story. So Chris, you've, you've been an awesome interview. You know how I know, the great interviews that I do is when I say less than a paragraph throughout it. And I think I told you something similar before the show. Yeah. Uh, those yeah. are my favorite. Cause then I get to sit back here and be like, so how's the book and relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, that's why I have to ask people how long the show is beforehand, because I'm like, when do I have to stop rambling? I need to have like this cutoff point in my mind to be like, all right, time to shut up and yeah so but i, I appreciate you letting me ramble on about my my series <laughs> definitely definitely so the kickstarter is going on right now as everybody's listening to this but if they want to follow you further uh do you make poor life decisions like being on twitter or any other social media networks absolutely my whole life is, <laughs> is poor decisions i don't know what you're talking about um so yeah, you could obviously find me on Kickstarter. The best way to find me is to search Worthy Chaos. Do yourself a favor and don't search Redemption. It's just Worthy Chaos. We're the only thing that pops up and you'll see me there. Um, but yes, for Twitter, we have 5.3 thousand followers and we are at Worthy underscore Chaos because somebody stole Worthy Chaos uh, and they don't even use it and it's heartbreaking, but whatever. Um, so you can follow me on there. We tweet, uh, or I tweet, um, covers and rewards and upcoming campaigns and, um, uh, how this it's going and all that fun stuff. And then we also have, if you're on Facebook and you like even more torture, we have a worthy chaos group, which has got about, I don't know, we only started it like five weeks ago. It's got 660 members in there. I was stupid and made it private and now you can't undo it. 
Um, however, I accept everyone in there and you are allowed to, as a, as a creator, you are allowed to post your Kickstarters when they start and end. And as a, um, uh, artist, you can, uh, post your art and get commissions and, and all that fun stuff. And podcasters come in and they post their links and, and everything and like that. So we're like, a uh, you know, it's worthy chaos and I, I do post a lot, but everyone can post whatever they want. I always get, um, is this allowed? Yeah. As long as you're not, you know cursing someone out even though obviously my story is all cursing you can curse but uh as long as you're not cursing somebody out um yeah you can pretty much post anything that uh you know but it's fun comic related you know try to Very stay cool. away from politics and evil things that people don't like <laughs> so. yes that is also a wise life decision yes so everybody out there watching and or listening as always you know those links are in the show notes down below. So click on them, check out the book, check out the Facebook group, all that stuff. And uh, follow Carissa and the, her work further. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Carissa, thank you so much for stopping by, chatting with me. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with the campaign. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're back. We're back. So, uh, yeah, Worthy Chaos, uh, Redemption, a horror adventure comic, issues one through six, hitting Kickstarter soon, very soon, if yes. not already. Already when you're listening. Already when you're listening, yes. yes. Time gets a little messed up for us. So, Yeah, we live um, in the past. You live yeah. in the future. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, we are in the past. Trying to talk about the future. Or the present, I guess, when this comes out. Oh, man, now I'm all messed up. Yeah, can can you believe when Biden went out on that stage with that alien man? Dude. Dude, yeah. What, what? a Tuesday night. Yeah, what a Tuesday night that was, huh? <laughs> wow. And then they arm wrestled. I don't know. And Biden won. And Biden won. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, my God. I've been doing push-ups. Anyways, um, comic news, everybody. Marvel has announced the return of Century, kind of. Century has been dead since the King and Black crossover at back in 2020. Uh, now we have a new miniseries called Century Number no. One from writer Jason Liu, artist Luigi Zagaria. In the series, we'll see Century's powers and memories manifest in people around the world, but only one can take over the mantle of the Century. So we're getting the Century back, kind of. Yeah. We're getting... A Century. We're getting the Death of Superman uh, sequel to Century. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know if you can count there, Mike, but I see five different centuries. One, two, three, four. Yep, five. I'm pretty sure that's what happened after Death of Superman, right? Weren't there five different Supermen? Or was I it think four? so. Yeah, four. Uh, it was Henry John or Henry Irons is one of them, right? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. But anyway. yeah, anyways, anyways, yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that's what they're doing. Uh I mean, we'll see who it is. I I have a distinct feeling I, I know things about it just based on what they said, but I'm not going to 
predict that on person this one. in the front looks like Jubilee from X Men. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because the outfit, yeah, 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 the outfit with the jacket just reminds me of Jubilee or the vest. Yeah, I think there's Marvel's going through this cycle again where they're going to try to recreate heroes with new identities, mm-hmm. um, which is going to get them a lot of flack from certain crowds and comics. Um, yeah, I was not the biggest fan of it the first time it came around, thinking, why are they doing this? But I ended up being a fan of a lot of the characters that came out of it. So I'm willing to give it another shot. I just hope this isn't a cycle we go through every five hey, or six years. Whether or not you like it, Chris, there's going to be news articles on mainstream websites about this shit. <laughs> well, it's good. Yeah, because yeah. two people on on X yes. are going to get mad about it. So then every news outlet's going to make it out to be like the entire world hates the new yeah. uh, Japanese century or whatever it ends yeah. up being. And uh, then I'm going to click through it and be like, I don't care because it's two care. people. Right, and the rest of us are either saying it's good because it's good, or it's bad because it's bad. Because like, it's actually a shit book, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that aside, I like the Sentry, so I will try it. But I, I just don't know. I don't know if there's certain characters that like I think you can have a mantle for and can move on from. Yeah, this probably isn't to. one of them. I don't know if the Sentry's one of them, even though it's a character yeah. I like. I don't think it's one yeah. of them. Uh, Thanos is back with his own mini mini series titled, of course, Thanos, <laughs> from writer Christopher Cantwell, artist Luca Pizzari. In this series, Thanos will fight the Illuminati, who hid an item of the power of power from the Mad Titan. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, that is Thanos on the cover of the book called Thanos. <laughs> and I feel like we get one of these mini series about Thanos every couple years here. Yeah, because uh, this guy buys them. Yes, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool cover. Um, uh, cooler covers this one. Oh yeah, it's way cooler. Then the Infinity Infinity Gauntlet. Gauntlet and then the Illuminati. Yeah, now that's a cover. Yeah. So, I love the Illuminati. Illuminati is always a fun organization, uh, group of characters. I love Thanos. Uh, obviously, we're still building up to something with Thanos. I'm actually really curious behind the scenes because I what was like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we talked about the Donnie Cates situation mm-hmm. and Donnie's the one that was setting up this whole thing with Thanos where he was going to, there was a new infinity gem mm-hmm. and he was going to have the, the necrosaur, all this, these things are building up and then his life kind of fell apart and he got in an accident. And I wonder if they're still going through with it or not. <laughs> and if this is connecting into those plans, maybe so I've, I'd be curious to see what behind the scenes is like there. But that aside, give me a Thanos book. I'm in. You give me an Illuminati book. I'm in. You give me both. I'm I'm in, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Those two things together is a pretty cool combination. Yeah. Pa- Thanos looks pissed off as usual. So I like a read down here. With yeah. Is that a gravestone? A little, little gravestone. <laughs> Looks like he's popping out of the grave. <laughs> He's like one of those uh, waving inflatable tube guys. Yeah, inflatable, gray. wacky inflatable arm guys. Yeah. <laughs> it does look like that. Come buy a car here. Um, this is a little interesting. Uh, a uh, former guest of the show, Mr. Tom Brevoort, very nice gentleman, uh, very cool guy, lots of experience at Marvel. He's a longtime Marvel Comics editor, 
Currently, the executive editor and vice president of publishing announced that after 25 years of being in charge of the Avengers line at Marvel, we'll be taking over editing duties on the X-Men line, which that's got to be a lot to have under your belt because uh, there's definitely a lot going on with <laughs> X-Men. Yeah, look at that beautiful bastard. Yes, uh, there he is. Yeah, I could imagine after 25 years of doing something, you're like, hey, can I do something different? <laughs> yeah, can I work with some something other than the Avengers? Yeah. And yep. obviously he's, I think like any editor, like any creative endeavor, he, he's had ups and downs with his time with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been more up than down personally. I haven't, he's been the guy in charge of the Avengers majority of my life, the entirety of my reading life with Marvel. So obviously I'm very inspired, been very inspired by his work on being a Marvel fan. Mm -hmm. I think this also, I'm not keeping up with X-Men, but I think this also kind of shows that this whole fall of X or whatever is really the end of what Hickman had originally planned. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if he was prematurely taken off it or whatever happened there and they're going in a new direction and I'll be interested to see what they do. Tom's a guy that likes classic comics. Like he Mm -hmm. loves his seventies and eighties comics. So I would not be shocked to see if the X-Men go back to a more classic team structure to, you know, Professor X and Magneto fighting each other, just kind of back to basics with them for a little while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising. Um, yeah, good for Tom. Maybe getting back in the show sometime. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, Image Comics announced that the No Slash One writer and co-creator Brian Bucoletto, Bucoletto, alongside artist Stefano Simeone, are teaming up for a new comic series titled Midlife, or How to Hero at 50. The series will be about a middle-aged firefighter who discovers that he has superpowers. And there's the cover right there. Uh, Midlife or How to Hero at 50. It looks like a fun book. Um, Now, the No Slash One was a tie-in for the Radiant Blacks universe, right? Yes, it is a Radiant Black book, yeah. Yeah. Is this one as well or no? I don't believe so. Okay. Um, But how would you know, Mike? They never put it on the cover. I know. They're like, oh, you should know from just the the title cover pages that we show you. It's like, no. Uh, this looks interesting. He almost looks like a flash style character. Is that like he almost looks like a train? Is he supposed yeah. to be like a train? I think I, I think that's supposed to be a like a fireman's helmet because like oh. this is the variant cover. And then he has like a look, plow on his chin. Yeah, if you look here, it's that right there. Yeah. So interesting. What I find interesting is like so this is an interior page. They actually mm-hmm. showed some interior pages, and this is very similar to how no one is set up, even though it's a different art team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously has a layout that he likes and he uses. So we'll see with that. I'm actually curious now to know if it is a, cause I, everything I read, it didn't mention it, but it's sometimes I've had to dig to find that information. It's like the worst marketing ever for a, a terrible. shared universe. Yeah. I think I've tweeted out too. Like guys, how was I supposed to know this? Nobody responds to me. Nobody. Like I, I'm willing to buy more comics if you tell me, but no, nobody. Yeah, I, it, it's. I don't, th- I don't think it is because it says so. Blah blah blah. This is the official image website. Mm-hmm. 
Um, 50 year old firefighter has been afraid of fire his whole life. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, instead what? of running into burning buildings, he pushes papers living in the shadow of his father who died as a hero on the job for 25 years in the LA fire department. He, he's firmly in the middle of an unremarkable life until his wife gets pregnant and a random act of courage reveals that Ruben is fireproof. Um, dude, you're 15, your wife gets pregnant. That's yeah. That's a surprise. Um, New York Times bestseller, Brian, whatever his last name is, teams up with star artist Stefano Simeon, who was the artist for Last Days of Black Hammer and Radiant Black. Nice. To tell a totally relatable, sometimes cringy, story of a middle-aged oh, no. dad who's about to you... find out. Why would they <laughs> advertise that it's cringy? Goodbye. I'm out. <laughs> I hate when they do that. Sometimes it's... cringy. Well, sometimes I won't buy books that are that way. Yeah. I don't think this is a Radiant Black thing. It's okay. an interesting enough concept, and I'm sure it's something that uh, Brian, I'm sure if we looked it up, Brian's probably in a middle-aged man, and so this is him telling the story of him going through his midlife crisis, but mm-hmm. I don't know, my pull list is big, Mike. <laughs> it's really big, and I like no one, Yeah, but I, yeah, this this will be one I'll, I'll probably wait on if I do check ever check it out. Yeah same um okay with that i guess we'll uh we'll read or talk about what we read definitely open some comics and read them for everybody yeah so uh just society good issue last week just catching up on some stuff uh finally got to read vicious circle one and two wham bam uh wild stuff this 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 story is insane. I can't wait for the third issue now. Um, yeah, time travel. Like, these guys were sent to... One was sent to save the world. One was sent to destroy the world or something like that. They are part of a special forces team. And they're, like, chasing each other across time. And if you kill someone... Well, what happens is they killed each other at the same time, which sent them in, like, an infinite time loop of, like, whenever they kill someone, they get propelled into another timeline they go back or forward uh it's a crazy story so um it's really cool stuff but not 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 something i normally wouldn't expect from boom so it's really cool yeah i love the the ending to issue two as well like yeah that last page is great yeah that was uh it's pretty awesome yeah he's like we're gonna gotta get back to saving the fucking world he's like all right it's like let's do it let's do it yeah the whole the whole thing would like because the main character is black and like having him deal with segregation and stuff in another timeline is kind of crazy and yeah it's pretty wild yeah and where issue two brings it where like they realize they're changing history so he chooses to stay in the 50s as, as a black man yeah with a changed history says something too like yeah he did something so heroic yep and I guess uh, spoilers, everybody, but they, they kill Hitler. They kill Hitler. It was a pretty great page. <laughs> and he does something so heroic that like nobody will know about because they do it before he really like does the evil that he did yeah. in this world. Right. And his thing is like, all right, so this is my prize. I get to live in segregationist 1950s yeah. America. Like, right. But that's what I have to do to like keep everything the way it is. It's a. Uh, yeah, I, I love that book. It's 
I think it was funny that you think that, like, you because you killed Hitler, you ended racism in America. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> it was it was bound to happen anyways. Um, yeah, so I, it was pretty sad because he like starts a family and then he has to like leave them behind, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, yeah, really, really great story. And the third issue comes out soon. So yeah, so you can find the issues due if you can't and you have to wait for the trade. It's worth waiting for. Uh, uh, that book is definitely going to be on top of my list at the end of the year. Yeah, really good. Unless the last issue is just garbage, which I don't see happening. I don't so. see it happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Godzilla, Here Be Dragons, number two. I did stick with this after my disappointment with the first issue. Um, and I will say I'm glad I stuck with it. It's more uh, more like backstory from the pirate who's been captured. Um, and, and he's telling the story of Godzilla there's a sick page of like Godzilla killing the entire Spanish Armada with like a radiation blast. Like this is what I was looking for in the, in the, I was like, fuck yeah, this is what I wanted out of my Godzilla pirate book. Uh, and then they go to hang the pirate at the end of all this. So like, we're going to go hang you. So I can't imagine there's not going to be any type of big interruption during this Chris of a Kaiju level proportions. Uh, but no, I, was, I, I think I like the second issue a lot more than the first. So, I, I got to read the second issue. Yeah, you'll I, really like it. It really propels yeah. the story for I remember I was higher on the first issue than you were, though. Yeah, but you'll love this one. I mean, it's, there's I, some great splash pages and stuff. Uh, Masquerade number seven. This is Kevin Smith and Andy McCulloch Fresh and then Julia Guazzi, Gualazzi on the art. Uh, this is the mask. The Masquerade is going into the building that was like where she was orphaned. And it's finally going to get the doctor behind all of it. I mean, a lot of weird movie and pop culture references. You know, definitely a Kevin Smith book. Uh, there's some diehard references, Bruce Willis shit. Um, big reveal that uh, the character never had a brother when she ran away, that she was the only one, and that the, her brother, even at a young age, is all in her head. So we don't know if that's true or not, because she thinks that her brother was killed there. Um, they get to the doctor and do and kill him, and then they're like in a live stream killing more of like the bad people that were involved. And that's kind of how the issue ends. So still interesting, you know, so um, two issues behind on that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, red night terror Shazam number two, Wade and Cruz, uh, Mary beats evil Shazam and then wakes up and realizes evil Shazam is still real and he flies away. So that's kind of that. Uh, but she has to go through all her family members' dreams and like wake them up and help them or nightmares and help them like solve the issues going on in their nightmares. And then the last book I got to this week was Night Terrors number three. Yeah, Williamson and Kamakali in the art. Uh, really good issue where Batman goes in like the space between reality with Damien to go get the Nightmare Stone and he gets this crazy looking Daredevil costume. <laughs> uh, but it's like a dead man slash batman combo uh outfit that's really sick um yeah Dare, and the, daredevil <laughs> yeah it's it's daredevil uh no it was a good issue they get the nightmare stone but then like batman seems possessed with it so uh i guess we're gonna see what happens there yeah great issue i love yeah, the the purgatory world they end up in yeah um damien just like immediately knowing like you're not my father um, so whatever demon yeah. is possessing you, right? Uh, just so many good things. I this event's been a blast from yep. start to finish. Oh, yeah, it's this is a really good book. Yeah. 
Was that everything you had? Yeah, that's all I got this week. All right, so I'm going to start off with a shout-out to friend of the show, um, Timothy Fling, because his book, Call the Cryptic, came out, and he was nice enough to send me all three covers when I only purchased one. And uh, I'll say I, I really like this book. It's about – so it takes place in uh, our neck of the woods, Mike. Uh, yeah. So it's 1989 in Onondaga County, New York. Interesting. Uh, so very close to where I live. And it's about this girl who's, you know, her dad died and she's going through some shit and she gets an argument with her mom, goes in the woods, like, you know, screaming like kids in the 80s did in horror movies when alien abducts her. And uh, because of that, the men in black come for her uh, to figure out like what she knows and what she found out and all this stuff. And we find this whole like, conspiracy with the government and everything going on. And that's when at the end of the issue, spoilers, everybody, uh, she is saved by none other than Bigfoot, who's traveling through a multidimensional portal of some sort. Interesting. So it's everything right up my alley. It's cryptids. It's classic aliens. We're talking like grays, like classic mm-hmm. Area mm-hmm. 51 aliens. Yeah. Um, 80s New York. The Men in Black, all that fun stuff from like classic sci-fi and uh, nice. conspiracy theory stuff. So, highly recommend it if any of that uh, is intriguing to you. And the art's really good. The covers are cool. Um, yeah, Timothy hit a home run with this one. Nice. And Great I dude. read an old one, but uh, finally got around to reading Death Note. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. Have you ever cool. read this? I've watched the show some of it. I haven't read all of it though. Okay, so this is the I like this. This is the black edition. So like, okay. all the pages are black. Nice, yeah, that's really around. cool looking. It contains the first two volumes in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the best compliment I give you is I ordered the rest of them after reading oh, this. There you go. It nice. lives up to every inch of hype. Yeah. Every inch of it. Yeah, it's. I mean, everybody knows the concept. This demon leaves a notebook. You write someone's name in it. They die. And uh, this kid decides that he's going to start killing off like criminals and people who, are, uh, who committed like heinous acts against society and everything to try to like prove a point to everybody that if you do evil things, then this will happen to you. Mm-hmm. And he makes sure that they all die the same way. So like it's known and it catches the attention of basically the UN, but like it's some weird fictional version of the UN. Yeah. And it becomes this kid versus this like superstar detective who's trying to figure out who the kid, who the person is. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there it just becomes like a, a back and forth between a serial killer and a detective and like how they interact and how they Mm -hmm. are playing with each other and all this stuff. So it obviously ended up right up my alley with all that crime stuff. Oh yeah. It's, it's a good story for sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Um, I, I it won't be here for a while, Mike, because I took your mm. advice and used that little portion on Amazon where I get money back for uh, Hell yeah. digital rewards. So digital rewards all day, <laughs> baby. Let's go. So it's gonna be a few days. Uh, comic books kill number one. This is from Scout. Yeah. Uh, this. Uh, let me shout out the creators. I don't shout out enough creators. This is created by Shane Berryhill and Hoyt Silva. It's set in 1930s America mm. where this kid has an idea for a new superhero and is an artist who goes to his company 
and is trying to get his superhero published when he gets like caught in between realizing that like the mob is running the comic book industry and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. So it's a cool like 30s, 40s noir story with a comic book twist to it. And I mean, literally a comic book twist. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it. My one criticism of it is don't go buy the first issue because it's a scout nonstop book that I didn't realize was a scout nonstop book. So it's literally they're putting out the first issue and then just putting out the trade later. And I find that really disappointing because this would have been really cool to go month to month with and talk Mm -hmm. about and like read as opposed to just getting a trade and brushing through it. Right. So I'm not a fan of that nonstop program personally. I love Scout, but I just think that's a bad idea. Maybe it's a good idea business wise, but like creatively (laughs) and as a reader, I don't like it. Star Wars Max Rebo number one. Mike. Oh boy, here we go. Dude, this book went harder than it needed to. Wow. So Max much Rebo harder book. than it needed to. Wow. Um, these ones, these like Return of the Jedi one shots have been like okay. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really recommend them to anybody. This is by far the best one, Mike. That's all I can't believe I'm saying this about a Max Rebo book. Yeah, that's wild. So anyone doesn't know Max is the the like I don't know what the instrument is. Some sort of keyboard thing player mm-hmm. at Jabba's palace. And it's about his, he basically is like at the point where he realizes he's going to die. What the hell? And <laughs> yeah. So it's him coming to terms with like the fact that he's going to die soon. And meanwhile, like people in his band have been like, are going through like weird shit. And like one has been told that he has to kill Jabba and all this stuff. And then as uh, Max goes out for the last, what he thinks is going to be his last show is when Leia rescues Han from the Carbonite. Mm-hmm. And like they blow up the barge and everything. So he's on the barge when that happens. <laughs> oh, no. And he survives. And then uh, it's it's him at the end, like at another bar and like a safer part of the galaxy being like uh, so happy that he's alive and upbeat and everything so it's like dude it's a story about depression and i don't know (laughs) what a twist it's such a good one issue story and i can't believe it i literally was like i think i was joking with you that like max rebo might be my pick of the week just because i think it'd be funny right and then it really ends up being one of the best books of the week (laughs) that's crazy someone was like i'm gonna do this max rebo they're like whatever man go ahead yeah, it's uh, older. Is it Jose older? I remember I reached out to him on Twitter, um, not um, Blue Sky. Mm-hmm. And he actually responded and was like, thanks for liking Daniel Jose older, who's actually like a novelist. So, oh, okay. And I even told him like, dude, you went harder than you needed to on this book. <laughs> and he's like, thanks for that. <laughs> That's awesome. I got the unbelievable... <laughs> The unbelievable, unfortunately, mostly unreadable and nearly unpublished Untold Tales of I Hate Fairyland number two. Nice. Um, I won't get too far into it, but I'm just I'm really enjoying this. It's an anthology book set in I Hate Fairyland with different creators. And uh, this one was a lot of fun. So if you are a big I Hate Fairyland fan like I am, it's more I Hate Fairyland. Nice. And then, Mike, I have Guardians of the Galaxy number five. Oh, yeah, I got to read that. Group Falls here. Um. The whole team's together. Star-Lord has a plan, and he's going to save Groot. Uh, And nobody really believes in him. 
so they go through with it anyways. And the entire time Rocket's just like, you're an idiot. This isn't going to work. Groot is dead. We need to get over it. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go into the middle of this huge Groot attack and just fly their ship right into them. And as everybody slowly sucked into Groot and Star-Lord's the last one and he thinks he's failed or he's convinced he's failed. I'm pretty sure he didn't because there's an issue six. Huh. Um, he he stands into the mouth of this fiery Groot and says, well, I guess the only thing I do is go in and see if this works and then falls in. And then we get the teaser that the next issue is going to be the origin of Groot fall followed by what happened here. So cool. Yeah. Gardens is really good. Yeah, it is. They're doing a great job. It's good stuff. So Mike, that's everything I read this week. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on X. <laughs> Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on most anything, whether it's X, Blue Sky, Threads, whatever it is. Um, it's social media. I'm probably there. And you can follow the show at Fortress Comics underscore on X. <laughs> nice. Or at FortressComicNews.com. Uh, remember, everybody, to like, subscribe, share, comment down below on this uh, YouTube version of the show. And if you are listening to the podcast version to get us five star reviews, and if you want to be super duper, you can go to Patreon at patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week. We'll see you all here next week. <laughs>